Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. relationships, attachment, uh, protocol theories. I don't know exactly how to even phrase this, but we're going to get into, um, you know, how to, how to find out maybe what type of attachment style you have, how to hold on to your identity in a relationship and address some questions that you guys asked that I think are wonderful. So Morgan, thank you for being here. You're a beauty over Morgan. Skype. I miss you. <laughs> I know I'm so happy to be back on here um I just love talking to all people that follow you Eliza and um I love your mission I love everything that you post about and share um in your community so I'm super pumped to be talking about these topics today I think every single person that listens today um I hope is you know you get something out of this because I think these are really 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 important topics Mm -hmm. I I totally agree um and I know a lot of the times when we do these interviews or I just do a solo episode even, you know, it can be funny, it can be goofy and all that good stuff, but I feel like there's always these really valuable um, tokens that people can leave from. And I think with your episode and the way you communicate, it's really easy for people to relate, really easy for people to digest and understand and kind of, um, I can tell you like at least 20 different people who said, Oh my God, I listened to your episode and I, it was me, you know, like they resonated so much. So, um, we're going to get into just, I guess we can start by asking what is an attachment style? What, what do you see from your clientele, women, men, young people, married people, old people, what are you seeing with attachments and um, what can you tell us about that? So there's three different kinds of attachment styles that I think are just like really important to take note of. So the three big ones are secure, anxious, and avoidant. Um, and secure is really sort of like what we're all going for, like what we're all striving for in in every relationship, really, not just one with our significant other, but also our parents, our friends, etc. So secure is being love. Uh, being loving and warm in a relationship and it comes naturally. Um, you enjoy being intimate without being like overly worried about the relationship and you can really effectively communicate what your needs are. Um, and also the feelings are very reliable and very consistent. So again, that's like what we're all striving for, right? Like feeling secure. Um, and an anxious, style is, you know, you create intimacy, but you're overly concerned with the relationship. So 
the anxious individuals are really often worried that their partner doesn't want to be as close as they want to be um, and are kind of constantly worrying that um, they don't understand their partner's emotions or they can't empathize. And oftentimes anxious individuals are acting out. So when I say acting out, I think anyone listening can probably like pinpoint a time when you were acting out in a relationship, right? So you're like, yeah, so you're like clawing and gnawing for some sort of attention or affection, not in the most appropriate way. Um, And then lastly, we've got avoidance. So you really desire closeness, but you feel uncomfortable with too much. And lots of avoidant individuals can equate intimacy with a loss of independence. So like those two things for um, avoidant attachment styles sort of battle each other. So it's either like I'm emotionally attached or, and that also means I lose my independence. Um, so a lot of avoidant people are typically emotionally distant because they want to keep others like at arm's length. Mm -hmm. I feel like we hear that a lot. I feel like so many people, they're like, you know, I really want to find love, but every guy I meet, I just, you know, as soon as we start to get close, I push them away. But then there's the other girl that we all know, the other guy that we all know. After one date, they're like, this is it. I, I, I feel like um, this is amazing, but I'm texting him and he won't text me back. And I feel like it went really well, but maybe he doesn't like me the way I like him. And, you know, it's so hard to decipher. Um, so, like, what would you... Okay, if you could... Give examples of each kind of attachment. Like, what is a relationship that is secure? What's a relationship that is anxious? And what's one that's avoidant? Because you said something that was, you said consistent. And I was like, oh, that's a, that's like the sexiest word ever now. So. (laughs) So I think something to know, Eliza, is like, there are sometimes like trickles of all of these things in a secure relationship right so any secure attachment style is is constantly is work just like any relationship is work so I think that's something really important to note that just because you're sicker doesn't mean you don't have any anxious tendencies right like that all exists for for all of us um and another important thing to note is like where these styles come from before we sort of dive into like okay how do I get to be secure So, um, these secure, anxious, and avoidant attachment styles come from our childhood. So, how we attach to our mothers and our fathers. Um, And that is in direct correlation to how we attach to other people in our adulthood. So, when a child feels really safe and seen and soothed by their parent in in a very consistent way, they are able to form a secure attachment to their parents. Thus, they're able to form secure attachments when they're adults. Um, When a child is experiencing like emotional hunger and like not having any type of consistent needs being met by their parents, that's when they develop um, some sort of anxious or avoidant style. So they tend to seek reassurance, right? children will act out to get emotional attention, um, and reassurance. And so that sort of delves over into our adult, um, attachment styles. Mm -hmm. I I actually don't think I answered your question there. (laughs) (laughs) But you like gave even more, which is great. (laughs) But, but I know that I need examples. I need like 
analogies. I like to get specific as it gets. So, like, okay. you know, I, I'm, I'm honestly picturing, I feel like, because, I mean, I'm, I've only lived my own life, but, you yeah. know, in high school, I was in a really shitty relationship where I thought that I liked him way more, but then he ended, and then he ended up, like, cheating on me, so it was validated, and then, um, like, everyone has these crazy stories, and then there are those people that you're with who you're like, whoa, you like me way more, this is great, but, you know, it's not as intimate, so, you know. I feel like everyone's kind of got those different things, but, like, what are some things that you see when people might not know that they're in a, in a secure or a anxious? Okay, so when someone is in an anxious state um, or has an anxious attachment style, they are used to having someone inconsistently available to them. So they tend to feel more insecure and oftentimes seek a lot more reassurance in their relationship. So just like you're saying, like needing constant validation. So they may have a lot of, like you might have a lot of trouble trusting your significant other's words. Um, like them telling you, you look so beautiful or um, you mean so much to me. Like really trusting that person can be very difficult for anxious attachment. Um, a lot of times you mistrust your partner's warmth and affection because when these words and affection etc were used by their parents they were often empty and they often like lacked the real nurturing that they needed so a lot of these you know anxious relationships just like you're talking about is you're like constantly seeking validation or constantly seeking like more from that person or really you know the foundation is like not trusting really anything that's said or done mm -hmm. okay uh, so lots of times that can be deep-seated and, like, desperation, insecurity, being very demandive, mm -hmm. uh, so, demanding. But, like, okay, so we see all these, we see these people, and, yeah. you know, Jenna Jameson, she's just a girl down the street. She <laughs> wants to be in a relationship, and she th she's an anxious one. She's always seeking external validation needing compliments, doesn't believe anything anyone says, blah, blah, blah. But she wants someone who is secure. So how do you attract someone who is secure, who you want to be more like, but you're, you're not there yet? You know, like, it's not fair for everyone to want these secure people. So I'm assuming that these poor secure people are always getting, you know, fed on by anxious people or avoidant people. Um, how do you, how do you find ways to line up? How do you find ways to be more secure or at least take those first steps into security, um, and less avoidant and anxious? That is such a great question, Eliza. So it can be very difficult for, like you're saying, a relationship to succeed when you don't have two secure attachment styles. And when I say succeed, I don't mean necessarily ending in divorce or breaking up. Um, I mean succeed in, like, feeling love and passion and eroticism and, um, yeah, and, like, succeeding in terms of, like, trusting one another, right? Like, a healthy relationship. So to, to find that, you need to do some inner work and, like, self-work to become more secure. Mm. And some of those initial things that, I do in my office, at least with my clients, is like talking about where does this come from? Like, why are you feeling 
where is this anxiety and where is this insecurity coming from? And like, what work do we need to do in terms of self-worth and like what validates you? What are your values? So to find that security, it always comes back to self. So to find a secure relationship, like you need to have a secure attachment style. Mm -hmm. And I guess, you know, if you're one of those people that might always seek external validation, a relationship is the biggest form of external validation. So, you know, I feel like that's something that goes unsaid a lot is that people, and I, I, I don't think that you need to be a hundred percent perfect or secure to be yeah. in a relationship, you know, like if you love someone and they love you, it's just like that works. But I also think that it is worth it to not just fill in a gap, you know? Absolutely, Liza. And like, I think something that is important to know is we're wired for connection, right? Like, we, we all desire human connection and, mm-hmm. and love and um, affection. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the quality of your relationships is equivalent to the quality of your life. Yeah. So. And, and not to say either, because I know the strong majority of people out there right now, they have just divorced parents. So are they saying, you know, oh, my God, well, I grew up in a broken home or, or I broke I grew up without truly seeing what love was, or if you have any of those doubts, any of those, you know, what your parents said to you was empty, it's like, there can be love, and then that love can fail, that's okay, but it doesn't mean that that's going to be you always, you know, like, you're not going to be exactly like your home, I don't think, but I think that just being aware of that, so, um, what would you say to someone who's saying, okay, my parents got divorced when I was in middle school or high school and it's I feel like it's all catching up to me you know what are some of those things that you see the first thing I would say to someone is like how beautiful is it that you are taking a moment to like acknowledge that and become aware of that it takes a lot of courage a lot of bravery and like um a lot of awareness a lot of self-awareness that's probably the first thing I would say um and, you know, I would definitely delve into, like, any resentments you're holding or, you know, like, what brought this up for you? And does this mean that you have to exist this way forever, like, feeling uh, unloved or however it is that that person feels? Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Like, this is the first, like, awareness is the first step to um, kind of creating a better life for yourself. I love that. I love that. And, I mean, I know that the way that you're raised, it's huge. It's huge, but also we're so close to it that we're almost blind to it. Um, and I know yeah. that, like, if you don't have a father figure, people are, people always say, like, oh, she has daddy issues. She has daddy issues. Always seeking external validation. Like, that has some ground to it. Um, and I know that, you know, <laughs> you talked about it earlier, you know, love and passion and eroticism, things like that. Um, what if you... What if you're one of those people, this is kind of going off left field, what if you're one of those people that, like, okay, you've been in a relationship for two years, everything is so fun, honeymoon, having (laughs) a great time, but then all of a sudden you're like, well, the romance has kind of gone out the window, like, we're not having sex the way we used to, or, you know, we just want to go to bed, neither of us, you know, like, it's kind of just like, blah, or maybe there's one person that wants two more than the other, and then you're like, oh no, I'm getting anxious, so, you know. What would you say? Like, is that pretty normal for people to 
experience those lulls in eroticism, romanticism. What would you say about that? Because I'm reading this book right now called Mating in Captivity, <laughs> and um, it's really interesting. So I want to hear your thoughts. Um, so Esther Peril is magical. Um, she is truly wonderful. And um, in terms of your question about, like, is this normal? Absolutely. Um, gosh, I think the most important thing is curiosity equals desire, right? Like curiosity leads to desire. So there needs to be a constant space of curiosity to be drawn to your partner. So whether that is curiosity in like space between them, if that's curiosity in, um, I don't know, maybe something new that they learn or like a gift that they bring you or um, you see them in a different light or you see them like doing something that's really unique that you've never seen them do before or um, I don't know, you see them in a social, a social scenario and you're like looking at them across the room and you're like curious about, I don't know what they're talking about or like the way other people are looking at them in like a, a lovely way. Um, that promotes eroticism. So there needs to constantly be an unknown constantly between two people. So unknown leads to curiosity. So when things become familiar, right? When things become routine, you know, you probably don't want to have sex with that person, right? Like there's no eroticism there. No. And I feel like though, just the word erotic, it's not going to lend itself to like vanilla sex where you're just like going through the motions it doesn't have to be like these crazy positions and all these different toys and hanging from banisters and stuff I just think that it has more to do with like being really present um so with that we got some we got some questions from people who um also by the way like Morgan is not a sex therapist although she does have definite experience with relationships like I'm not going to ask her about kinks and fetishes today um I'm still trying to find someone to answer those questions for me but um but I did get some questions there was one specifically that said um we've been in quarantine for 85 months how do I not want to one kill my partner but how do I keep the romance and eroticism alive when we're doing the exact same thing every day no one knew um, what does that look like? What, what are some things that we could be doing to mix things up? Goodness. Um, okay. The first thing I would speak to that is emotional security. I think that is right there up with curiosity. So in terms of, um, being in quarantine with your person, whoever that might be, um, you want to feel emotionally secure with them. So maybe that means you guys are like on the same page about, quarantine that might mean that you guys are like feeling supported about your political viewpoints you know or like whatever that emotional security might look like that you are both not necessarily always on the same page but you are supported and you feel safe etc with that person that that can easily be tainted in quarantine emotional security 100% so that's sort of the first place I would go is ensuring that you know you both feel emotionally secure um the second thing is implement some sort of curiosity, right? Like there has to be some, some unknowns and things that are unfamiliar. So 
again, whatever that might look like for you guys, that um, whoever it is that asks this question. Um, not me and my two best friend roommates. It's not us. We're waiting so, for your answer. Absolutely. If that means like mixing things up for you guys, like trying things, trying something new, like different, I don't know, areas of the house, like I don't, whatever that might look like for you guys, like, um, you know, shake things up a little bit. I think. Love that. Yeah, it's, you know, intimacy is uh, necessary for a healthy relationship. So I think it's a wonderful question to ask. I wonder, the first thing that came to mind was, and I was also talking about this last night, I want to add more, like, playfulness into my life, not just, like, the way I coach fitness, not just the way I, you know, I want to add more, like, levity and playfulness things, like, imagination. So, um, and not just by playing like catchphrase like I've been doing but um what about like erotic truth or dare so maybe one night on a Friday night if you've been going through the motions all week with your partner you could be like hey we're gonna go on a walk on the beach and then you all of a sudden bring up truth or dare and you're like okay well I dare you to go jump in the ocean naked or I dare you to I mean like kiss me in public kind of thing so and I also like I don't think it needs to be just in the bedroom that romance and eroticism is alive um like, get out of these four walls, I guess, but, um, I'm more so just thinking about people who have, like, had their kids around, and they're, you know, like, oh, lock them in a closet, I don't know, I can't, I don't have kids, but I can imagine that would be <laughs> incredibly difficult. Right. I think that's a good idea, like, I love the idea of playfulness, Eliza, and the other thing, like, for some odd reason, having conversations about sex is, is so taboo, and, like, so, um, almost frowned upon and you know you need to be having these conversations with your partner like talk about sex Mm -hmm. talk about masturbation talk about like you know what it is that you need what your partner needs like you need you should know that for you and you should know that for your partner um and I feel like so many times um I've heard people say well you don't want to just schedule sex well if you're not having sex then maybe you need to put it on the books and block out two or three hours, you know, like maybe, maybe it's time. And maybe if you're getting super defensive about it, then something's up. And I think that like not rushing things, being in the moment, no screens type of thing. But, um, I think that I don't actually think that there's anything wrong with like sending a little GCAL invite, even if you're both in the house, like send a GCAL invite, you know, put it on the calendar, like, light some candles and break out the, I don't know, caviar, but I think that, because <laughs> we all eat caviar, but I think <laughs> that that might be even an easy way to do it. I was listening to a podcast the other day with this woman, Wednesday, she's this amazing sex therapist, and she, um, she was like, yeah, we schedule two, three-hour sessions every week. I was like, three hours, that's awesome, so... That's that's what they're doing. She was like, yeah, it gives us enough time to, like, chat beforehand af- and afterwards. And it, like, allocates for that time where you're still kind of getting into it. So that's a tangent. Anywho. Um, the next question that we did have that I wanted to talk about was, so there's two, two parts to this question. First part is how do you handle stress of people pressuring you to be in a relationship if you're family is always saying, oh, so are you dating anyone now? Oh, so when are the babies happening? Oh, when are you guys getting married? Um, kind of just that constant little, you can kind of tell it's a dig almost every time. 
And then there's also the other end of people saying, I just want to be with someone. Where's my person? My eggs are dying. What's going on? Uh, these are two like really, really tricky positions to be in. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, I can imagine really like sad positions to be in to not be able to, um, I guess, to the person that is being questioned as to why they're not in a relationship or why they're not married um, from their family. I think uh, I would encourage that person to communicate. Um, exactly how they feel with their family. And that's not always an easy thing to do. Um, And I'm sure there's many of you listening that have already done that. And it's like a constant, uh, constant conversation that shows up. I would encourage you to probably shut down the conversation or walk out of the room, um, you know, and maybe express to whoever it is that's harping on this, um, you know, what your values are in life, because maybe a relationship or maybe, um, marriage isn't a priority for you, maybe not right now and maybe not ever. Mm-hmm. And I think expressing, you know, the values, maybe that's, I don't know, work or adventure or travel or friendship, um, expressing those values to whoever it is that's pressuring you and, and why you feel that way. Um, you know, why those things are valuable to you and why you're prioritizing them and like, why they make you feel happy and filled inside. So I think to the person that's getting that pressure, I'm sorry. Um, but I would encourage you to, to communicate how it really is making you feel. I love that. I love that. Like, how do you think, I, why do you think I'm not fulfilled? You know, these are, these are my priorities. I think that's beautiful. And then what would you say to someone who's really, they're searching for love? I mean, you, you and I have talked about this. I think we talked about this on the last podcast episode in Charleston, yes, there's a, an abundance of beautiful women and men, but a lot of women think that it's oversaturated and they're not going to be able to find a guy because there's so many girls. And I personally think that that's just a narrative and you kind of just got to flick that thought away because you're everyone is so different. And um, what would you say to someone who's concerned about that? Um, so... Kind of like going back to what I mentioned before that we're all like wired for connection and love to that person that's feeling that way. I just want you to know, like, I hear you. I see you because loneliness is, um, a very difficult space to exist in. And, uh, it can be kind of tricky to navigate and especially, you know, in the community that we live in, um, I would encourage that person to, you know, continue to be authentic to themselves, remind themselves like what they're grateful for. So what they have rather than what they don't have, um, and maybe continue to do some inner work. Like maybe there's some things that they feel insecure about, um, you know, and like finding that security in self prior to seeking someone else. Um, and you know, I'm not going to sit here and say like, Oh, it'll come. (laughs) because I don't know that you know I don't have a crystal ball for you but um yeah I think just like validating how they feel because I think there's so many times that you know we say oh gosh you know I wish I was in a relationship or you chat with your friends and you're like I'd love to be dating someone and they're like oh it's fine um you know they like totally invalidate your feelings and you're like but wait I feel lonely I want someone to hear me so if you're listening I hear you I feel you um I you know hope that you have people that are supporting you and 
that you are continuing to do as much self-work as possible mm-hmm. and finding things that fill you and make you happy and joyful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love that. I love that. And even being in a relationship, a romantic relationship, you can still feel lonely. Um, you know, it's, it, that's, that's a tough one is realizing is distinguishing what is a rut and what is like a, a period of time when you're both trying to figure things out and then what is an unhealthy amount of aloneness to feel when you're in a relationship because I'm sure we both know these people that have been in relationships for what we see is way too long and you see how bright of a light they are and how dim they're being for other people and whether or not you've been in that situation it's just you can't see it until you're out of it and you know if you if you have a if you had a friend who was in this lonesome relationship like what would you tell that person or what would you tell yourself or what would you want what do you wish someone had told you if that had been you kind of thing Hmm. good question (laughs) um so I think you know obviously I can speak gosh very um very closely to this um you know, having gone through a separation about a year and a half ago and, and being divorced now, that that like loneliness in a relationship is probably worse than being out of a relationship and alone. So for people that are feeling alone in, in your relationship, I encourage you to go back to your values. Um, so do some values work. So like, what are the things, and I don't mean values of like family, friends, and um health. So I mean, like, I want you to think about some moments that have brought you joy. So for Eliza, I can probably, um, envision that your moments might be like sitting on your patio, like drinking some wine and eating some really good food with your roommates. So like your value, one of your top values is connection, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So if you have that value and those values are so strong. So think about three to five, I don't know. Um, and that person that you are with is not like meeting those values or feeling those values. My guess is you probably feel incredibly anxious. So you need to listen to yourself and, um, you know, listen to your body, listen to whatever it is that you're feeling about this. And if those values are not in alignment, then I really encourage you to talk about that. Um, and if that means going to couples counseling or if that means just you guys sitting together and talking about it and also you sitting alone, um, with that and, and seeing if like your, your needs are really being met, your emotional needs, your physical needs. Um, and like ask yourself, why, why is it that I'm, I'm in this relationship? That's amazing. I think that, or I feel like if you asked yourself, once a year, why am I in this relationship? Why do I love this person? I bet you would get a different answer every time, you know? And, like, you can be a different person when you meet someone than when you end it with someone. And people change all throughout the life, all their life, but I think it's just a matter of whether or not you are both growing with the same, not the same values, but you have to be, I, I, don't, I don't even know, I don't know what the magic answer is, but um, I don't know. I, I just think that people change, but that's not always a bad thing. Um, yeah, and 
Yeah, I mean, letting someone else free, too. I don't know. That's a great answer. You're so wise. (laughs) You're so brilliant and beautiful. I love you so much. Um, And I don't want to take up too much of your time, you know. This is, like, the perfect amount of time. And we're going to have you on again because you are my MVP, most valuable, um, beautiful Skype interviewee. But, um, so I'm going to let Morgan go. But I do want you to give a little bit, um, plug yourself, pimp yourself out. Where can people find you? Are you taking on new clients? Do you have time (laughs) this week? Um, (laughs) Tell me what you're doing, especially with quarantine. Are you doing, like, Skype, cyber? I don't know. Yeah, so I'm seeing clients um, via something called Doxy, which is just, like, a HIPAA-compliant, very safe space to have, um, online sessions and then also a few people I'm seeing in the office too so I'm doing both types of sessions which is great unfortunately I don't have any openings this week left but but I am accepting new clients so you can find me at my email is morgan at welcomingwellness.net so you can shoot me an email if you need anything um and I love sharing some fun things on my Instagram page, um, which is welcoming.wellness. Um, oh, yeah. that's so awesome. Thank, uh, thank you so much, Eliza. And I, I feel like we just scratched the tip of the iceberg, but I kind of love people always wanting a little bit more. So um, it's just, you are just this amazing, brilliant sponge. And I just wish that everyone lived in Charleston. I wish everyone could get to you. Um, you just... You've changed my life for sure, and I just am so grateful for you. But um, we're all going to follow you on Instagram at welcoming.wellness, and I'm sure you're going to get emails, so that was on you.